it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Listeners, welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 170 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Serovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So I have some breaking news on the podcast. The Mets have won a series. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you lie. Is that wow. even allowed? Who can say? Um, After not winning a single series in the entire month of June, the Mets took two out of three to start the uh, to start July from the San Francisco Giants. Um, So, I mean, you know, that was at least like the most watchable the the Mets have been in like a month. Was that series? June swoon officially over? Maybe. I don't know. I will say like. Man, we all go into June every year with really low expectations, um, and yet somehow they keep exceeding them. <laughs> yeah, they keep the, the bar keeps getting lower and lower, and they keep like limboing under it. <laughs> if they're somehow. like in, they're like in the Earth's crust at this point. Yeah, it's... I don't know if they can sink lower every June. Yeah, um, yeah. The the that was the worst month of. My Mets fandom in quite some time, I think. Just, like, really bad. Like, not watchable at all. Like, historically Um, bad, too. Yeah. Like, at least in the Giants series, they looked like a baseball team that is capable of playing baseball a little. Um, You know, and and Scherzer and Verlander have been consistently better now for a couple starts now than they were earlier in the season. So, like... I feel like at least there's that. At least those games are usually watchable from the starting pitching perspective. Um, But, you know, sometimes the Mets just score one run in those games and then they lose anyway. Um, But at least like at least Verlander and Scherzer are starting to pitch like they were supposed to, I think, is the main like difference, I guess. Um, And it is. uh, I mean, that even just aesthetically, even just knowing that, like, you're going to get a decent showing from the guys who are most likely to give it to you. That that's a nice kind of psychological comfort that we did not have for a while there. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, like we said, I said this last week, you know, when in the past, when the bets are bad, Jake was always there and he was 
at least a reason to tune in. And yes. until recently, none of these guys were a reason to tune in. Yeah. Hoping that at least in the second half that Verlander and Scherzer will be that for this team. Like even if, you, you know, because the, they're all but dead and buried in the standings at this point, it would take a miracle for them to, it would take a historic second half for them to get back in the race in any uh, conceivable way. Uh, but hopefully at least like they will play like watchable baseball. Like that's the best we can hope for at this point, sadly. Um, and Verlander and Scherzer are a big part of that. Um but yeah, and realistically, they could get back into the race, but there's just so many teams. There's so many teams to leapfrog and so yeah, many yeah. other teams have to tank and they have to do great. And it it just see it's a statistical improbability at this point. I think that I think at this point, even the projection systems, because for a while I had felt that like the projection systems were uh, more optimistic than the vibes and the general like record of the team. Like there was still like residual projection from like on paper, this team should be good. So their playoff odds are still at 50%, even though they're like way behind. Um, But I think that now they are so far behind and there are so many teams ahead of them that even the projection systems have caught up with the vibes and their projections are like 10% to make the playoffs now, which sounds about right. I think it was 13%, which was kind of a pleasant surprise. (laughs) I feel like that sort of says it all. Because so I assume that there were chance. like five, but I'll take 13%. That's 13%. fine. I'll accept that. Yeah. I mean, like, if you squint really hard, you can see it. I mean, you can see the talent inherent on the roster, right? The reason everyone thought that they were a almost Sherlock to at least be a playoff team. Um, you like that talent's still there, even if guys are underperforming. So there's that. And then there's also like, do you think the Marlins are real? Hard to say. Um, you know that the Phillies are capable of just like, you know, tanking at any given time. Uh, and so, yeah, you can squint and see it a little bit, but there are, it's not just the NL East. Obviously the Braves have the NL East basically on lock at this point, but there's a ton of other teams ahead of them in the wild card now that aren't just NL East teams. Um, the Reds are really the good. Reds are ahead of you. Like the Reds are fun. I'll give them that. But They're they fun. weren't supposed to be this good. Nor were the Marlins either. No. Um, I don't know if I still buy into the Marlins. I'm sorry. I, I do not buy into the Marlins. Uh, I mean, to be I fair, buy, last year, the Mets won 101 games last year. <laughs> so I don't think anyone saw that coming either. Yeah. No. So I'll kind of give the Reds a little, a little uh, acceptance in there, but. It definitely does feel like the upside down of last year. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, yeah, I mean, all we can hope for, sadly, at this point is watchable baseball, which who knows if we're going to get that. We'll see. Um, At least Verlander and Scherzer have been better. Um, I mean, I am not a person who, under any circumstances, hands it to David Peterson, but David (laughs) Peterson pitched well this week. He pitched twice. Um, in his return to the big leagues, he, did he pitched... pitched well, or did he just get lucky? Because I was there uh, yesterday, and he was hitting batters. There was wild pitches. There was walks. I'm like, I, I don't know if I buy into David Peterson. I don't. I think that it's a little column A, a little column B. I think that he, I mean, he, especially in that first start. What day was that? Monday, Tuesday. Um. He well, it was Tuesday because the Mets won that game. That was the only game in the Brewers series that they won. Um, And he um, he was he in both of his starts, he was doing his David Peterson stuff, walking too many guys, throwing too many pitches. Yeah. Um, But especially in the Tuesday game, he got two key double plays that helped him out of innings, which was stuff he wasn't doing before. He was like kind of letting innings get away from him. Um, but this week he did not, he stopped the bleeding. I don't think David Peterson is ever going to be a guy that where there's not going to be traffic on the base paths. There's just always going to be, but he was able to limit the damage in these starts. And that's kind of all you can ask for from your fifth starter. Um, so if we could get this version of David Peterson, it's fine. But the problem is, is like Linda said, I don't think he, like his stuff did not look demonstrably. No. Yeah. That's the problem. Like they haven't fixed him. He just was getting better results. And to be fair, like, I mean, it's not as though it's not as though he should have been shoving all this time. 
Right. It's not, you know, that didn't like line up with reasonable. It was more just like he needs to not pitch like absolute garbage. <laughs> you and just need to be rosterable. If he has gotten from like the absolute garbage to like moderate garbage, then that is probably fine. Yeah. And certainly better than everything else they have to offer. <laughs> yes. Well, even, I mean, I give him credit. Like we said, he, he was fine. He didn't give up runs. But I just do not enjoy watching him pitch. It's, it's never going to be a fun aesthetic no. experience. Even at it, the best version of it is not a fun aesthetic experience. That's for sure. No. I, I don't enjoy watching David Peterson pitch. I'm sorry to David Peterson. It's I not why we're there. Well. No, no. I had many, many alcoholic beverages yesterday. Good. Good. That's the that's the appropriate way to watch David Peterson. Like literally, like we will we will be home watching the game on TV, and Michael will say it's a David Peterson start time to open a beer, and he will go to the fridge. <laughs> he drinks more. Like I I feel like we got to start like making uh we got to start making a graph like of like beers Michael drinks like on average during Mets games, and then David Peterson starts. It's like it's like <laughs> plus two beers more on average. I guess. Please do this experiment without no, telling. I got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's. <laughs> but like I said, the game went a lot better than I expected yesterday. I will, yeah. I will give him that, that credit. I will. Yeah. So Linda, you were at the game, so you did not experience the ESPN broadcast like I the rest not. of us did. But, but uh, the one positive thing about the ESPN broadcast, although I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened on the SMY broadcast, but it was fun because you know the ESPN always does the mic'd up players, and so. Um, obviously right before the game, it was the all-star rosters were announced and it was announced that Pete Alonso will, uh, will make his third all-star game. Um, and live on the broadcast, he was mic'd up and he announced that he will participate in the home run derby. He, like, oh, they showed it. it on the big screen. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Oh, cheered when he announced it. That's yeah. really good. I'm glad that, I'm glad that they showed that in the ballpark too. That's happy. Um, so it was cool. That was like a cool moment that he announced that like live on the broadcast. That was very fun. Um, so like, you know, obviously Pete Alonso kind of only made the all-star game because someone from the Mets has to, uh, but at least we have, (laughs) yeah, sad. Um, at least he did deserve to be there. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was least it 2009 have... that Daniel Murphy was the one? Yes. yes. No, that was the year he led the team in home runs. I think there was another year that he went to the All Star game. Mm. Yeah, they're, and he what did he? They're both the real bad. Didn't he lead the team with like seven home runs? I <laughs> yeah, think it was. Like that. It was. It was either. I want to say it was nine. <laughs> nine it, single digits. That at, was pre at the, at the break. That was pre like 2015 Daniel Murphy when he was not oh, yes. yet. Oh yes. It was regular Daniel Murphy. Yeah. Um but but yeah, so at least at least Pete nothing against 2009 or whenever the heck it was Daniel Murphy. At least Pete actually like warrants a seat at that table. Yeah, for sure. I'm like looking up what years he made the All-Star game. And Pete said he's going to bring his high school coach to throw to him, which is really super sweet, too. Like, he said, like, how can anybody hate Pete? Like, Pete does not deserve the hate he gets because he's just so endearing and just wants to make people happy. I 2014 to... was the year for Murphy. So oh, right gotcha. before 2015. Yeah, it was. He, of course, made the All-Star game two other times with the Nationals. But of <laughs> course, he did. we're going to talk about that. Uh, he came in second in the MVP voting in 2016, as we, <laughs> uh, you know. Sorry, look what I started, etc. Uh, we don't talk about that. But yeah, 2014 All-Star Daniel Murphy was was definitely a uh, requisite All-Star appearance. Um, and this is sort of the same, but I think that Pete is a little more deserving than 2014 Daniel Murphy was. Um, at least Pete leads the league in home runs or at least tied. Yeah. Um, and at least, yeah, at least we have home run derby Pete Alonso to look forward to. That's got to give Mets fans something at this point. <laughs> like, come on, just throw us a bone. And the bone is Pete Alonso in the home run derby. Hopefully because my again. niece, Pete's my niece's favorite. And like I said, my niece really started getting into baseball last year. And so while we were at the game, she was messaging my sister and she goes, I'm really excited to watch Pete on the derby. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, he's a big celebrity in this house too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Um, by contrast, the Atlanta Braves have eight All Stars. We don't need to talk about them. No, I'm sorry. No, I suppose we can. I'm just. We don't. I mean, we don't, don't need like to. to. We don't need to talk about it. He might have gotten hurt tonight, though. Ooh, he stole good. his 40th base and came up lame. Wait, when Acuna he... did? Yeah. Ooh. Oh shit, that sucks. That's not what you want. Mm. Um, I hope that he's okay. Um, I like. I don't know. It, like, of all, obviously, like. The brave, uh, the Braves, like I don't have, I have, I have extreme hate in my heart for the Braves franchise and for the mostly the fans, honestly, um, uh, with with yeah. a few exceptions, you know. Um, there's good, there's good and bad in every fan base, but I just like, you know, with the chop and all that. The good stuff. ones, you know who you are. Exactly. Um, We've told you as much before. Few and far between. Um, but, and I don't really hold hate in my heart for any of the Braves players. And I actually, especially really love Ronald Acuna because I feel like during like my ACL recovery, like he's been like hugely inspirational to me actually, because like he, you hear a lot about like players who, you know, tear their ACLs and they like go through the standard recovery and they come back and they're okay usually. But like Acuna had a really rough recovery and like wasn't himself for an entire season and then is like going like totally like unprecedented, having a historic season this year. And so it just like that, like, you know, was very inspirational to me to to see like him struggle for a whole season and be like, yeah, see, even professional athletes like aren't always fully back to normal, like right away. Sometimes it takes a long time, just like for pitchers. Sometimes it takes like two years to recover from Tommy John surgery fully. Um, And then you, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel and like Acuna is even better than he was before now. Um, So obviously (laughs) eight might be over the top a little bit, but Acuna (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's there's no question about yeah. that one um and about oh. most of them really there's no question about most of them but uh i don't know orlando arcia might be a little much is awesome <laughs> like we said you know when your team's playing well you're gonna be more vote- motivated to vote yes. like met fans yeah. were just apathetic i think in general yeah that's true i i i don't think i voted i'm not 100 percent sure I there voted, was... I think, once because Pete said he would, Pete and Nimmo said they would give away like signed backs if you voted for them. So you had to prove that you voted for them. So yeah. I voted like once for that because I was like, oh, dollars for dingers giveaway if I win. But I don't think I won. <laughs> I think you would know by now if you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was a really, really sweet, wholesome video of a uh, kid, uh, them interviewing a kid yes. and, and him saying that he voted for Lindor and then Francisco Lindor like came up behind him. And it was it was really nice. It was really sweet. That one little boy's look. That, like, I know. It, he was just stunned. <laughs> I think I would look like that. I think I would do. <laughs> it happened to me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, not like. You don't ever hope for injuries ever, ever, but usually one or two injuries happen. Um, and I'm talking besides like Acuna. So I don't know. Lindor may end up being named eventually, just either because guys get hurt or guys decline to participate or something comes up or whatever. Um, so Lindor might get added. And I think David Robertson maybe has an outside chance of getting added if a pitcher chooses not to participate or there's an injury. So we'll see. I'm fine with David Robertson taking some time off. Yeah, Yeah, true. I'm fine with him, like, soaking in the tub for four straight days. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So something that also happened uh, during the Giants series, which Linda is intimately familiar with, is that J.D. Davis returned to City Field um, for the first time um, since becoming a Giant. Um, and it, he gave a really interesting interview in which he was pretty critical of the Mets. Um, and I thought this was a pretty damning interview, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Um, mm-hmm. But it also explained a lot, if it's it true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to read, like, some little snippets from it. Um, but he said... Um, JD said, with so many moving parts and so much instability, it wasn't only me. There were a lot of guys in the clubhouse that felt like they were in survival mode, uh, which is never what you want to hear. And he also talked about how, like, uh, the firing of Chili Davis was like a a kind of a watershed moment for him and a lot of other guys in that clubhouse. Um, When he talks about the instability, that's like a big part of what he's talking about, because a lot of guys like J.D. had breakouts under Chili Davis. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the Mets, he was Chili Davis, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not saying he didn't deserve to be fired necessarily, but it is clear that the players really loved him and they were pissed when the Mets fired him. That much was clear at the time. Um, And the fact that J.D. Davis is still talking about it now means that, like, yeah, it was clearly a big deal to the players. Um, And that was, like, kind of a trickle-down moment to the clubhouse where, like, he he literally said that was a huge dip in our morale in the clubhouse um, after they fired Chili Davis. And it wasn't just him. It was, like, Dom Smith, um, McNeil, Alonzo, Nimmo, because, like, all of those guys had huge breakouts in 2019 under Chili Davis. So it was, like, demoralizing to them to have their their hitting coach get fired um and so i think that jd is like looking at the mets now and seeing like you know coach coaching staff that may get fired um and thinking back to that time um and feeling like this is like an organizational problem with the mets that persists um so yeah it was interesting uh, well, and- they also pointed out he had he was there for three years, had three different general managers, three different managers, mm-hmm. three different hitting coaches. Like, and he said they all had different philosophies. They all had different visions of what the organization, what direction the organization was going to be. And so, even when you just thought you were getting your feet under you, it got kind of yanked out again. Yeah. Yeah, it was a period of tumult. Yes. I mean, like, in the Mets, like, historically have not really held on to managers for that long. Um, There's been a, like, you know, a pretty quick cycling through of personnel <laughs> um, throughout the history of the franchise. They just, like, can't get, you know, one philosophy or, like, one set of guys to stick, it seems, and be successful. And that's kind of unfortunate that that has persisted into the Cohen era um and it it also I think he mentioned in 2022 in 2020 also not 2022 (laughs) um that they told him he would play left field so he's like okay I'll play left field and then all of a sudden they're telling him you have to play third base and he's like but I haven't had any reps at third base now you're gonna put me at third base I'm not prepared so let's just see. So that also, to me, was eye opening about why that team underachieved in 2020. If you're not going in with a plan and having the players, you know, 
be be prepared for whatever plan you laid out. Like I get 2020 was weird and you know you were trying to adapt on the fly, but still if you're telling somebody they're, they're going to play left field and then all of a sudden you stick them at third base, you, that's something you can still plan for, COVID or not. So that to me was also, I don't know if that was a Luis Rojas thing, an organization thing, but if it happened to him, what else happened in 2020 that led to the chaos and that team underachieving? Yeah. Um, like the Pete was not that good that year. I don't think too. Right. Well, of course, death taxes and the Mets playing players out of position Out of position. Yes. You know, that's, that's true too. That's their calling card practically. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, JD specifically said it's part of why his production suffered, um, because he didn't feel like he was, he didn't feel like he could commit to any one position. He was trying to learn multiple positions at the same time. Um, And this year, like, you know, he was, he ranks seventh among MLB third baseman in, uh, in outs above average. He has six outs above average, which is like pretty dang good. Like, it's not like, you know, incredible or anything, but it's like very solidly above average, which is way better than his defensive metrics ever were with the Mets at any position. Yeah, he's not a liability at third anymore. Right. Um, and he, and he gives this quote in the interview. He said, trying to be the most versatile player I can be, I wanted to do what was best for the team. However, I think it was hindering my ability. If I were to stick with first base and third base or stick it out in the outfield, I think I would have gotten better over time instead of diving in and being 50% committed in one area and 50% committed in another area. It seems like I wasn't getting better at each one. He's not wrong. No. Nope. And this is the other thing that we've talked about on this podcast. Your job like, is to get the most out of your players and put them in a position to succeed. And clearly, that's not what's been happening in this organization. And now we have confirmation from that of that from a former player. Yeah. And it's just a reminder that, like, you know, as much as I think it's pretty clear that there have been meaningful cultural shifts since Steve Cohen took over that, um, you know, rot goes deep and a lot of the structures that were in place, a lot of the people, a lot of the plans that are in place have been there since the Wilpons ran the show. And it's going to take time for all of those bad habits, um, cultural challenges it's going to take a while for those two to really fully transition into a healthy organization and also i mean that's not to say that it will ever be a truly healthy (laughs) and functional organization i don't know that i would recognize it if it was but um you know i think it's it's easy to think like oh now that steve cohen is in charge everything is is going to be ship shape but it it just it doesn't happen that fast organizational memory lasts a long time yeah um there's a lot of people still in in very high ranking roles in the front office from the alderson regime um and i'm not saying that like they're doing a bad job like i don't really know enough about the inner workings of the mets (laughs) front office to know like who's who's like has a good reputation who has a bad reputation right now and who's making which decisions that are turning out well and and poorly um but i i am just saying that like there's there's cohen there's cohen epler guys and then there's like leftover alderson guys like they're all mixed in together right now um and i think that like it will slowly transition to more and more of like what steve cohen's vision is um and we talked about you know the fact that based on Steve Cohen's press availability um, from last week, he made it pretty clear that <laughs> he sees David Stearns as part of the future. He didn't directly say it, but he he said as much to anyone who's been paying any modicum of attention. It was pretty clear um, that he wants David Stearns to be president of baseball operations. So um, then Stearns will bring in more of his people Um and hopefully, you know, in the future, this will um, this will the organization will be more cohesive, at least, even if like you, 
you know, you can agree or disagree with whatever philosophy they end up having, but at least there will be a coherent one, one hopes. <laughs> but knowing what we know now, like hearing, like, and this is a pattern, right, of players thriving after they leave the Mets. Is it more, because I've been blaming Epler this whole time, saying he's horrible at, you know, eyeing talent, but is it that he can't identify talent or they just can't put their players in a position to succeed? Or is it a little bit of both? I think it might be a little bit of both. Like now I'm kind of doubting, like maybe Epler can find talent, but it's just everything around it. That's just, it's not the most, um, I don't want to say welcoming environment, but not the most healthy environment to develop talent. Right. Yeah. Well, I think you do have to look also, you know, into the minor leagues and into the system that, you know, is, has turned out a handful of good players, but seems to swing and miss a lot. Yeah. Um, And, you know, start to dig into what's happening on those levels also, because it is all part of the same organization. Yeah. Well, now also I'm doubting, you know, hearing JD talking about all the instability. Now I'm doubting, like, should they fire everybody? Because that's just another year of turmoil now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this kind of speaks to what Steve Cohen was saying a little bit. Yeah. He was talking about not being rash and, um, and indirectly, you know, beating around the bush about it, but hinting at like, you know, that, People like Stearns will look at the organization and see turmoil if they see Cohen losing his head and just firing guys because the team is underperforming. Um, Someone who wants to be president of baseball operations is not going to want to come into that environment. And Cohen knows that. So I think that is a pretty big reason why um, both Epler and Showalter are keeping their jobs. Uh, through the season at least and why Cohen seemed committed to that uh, because I think that the Mets have this reputation of instability now um, and it's affecting them negatively uh, both in the clubhouse and you know how people see them from the outside uh, how other organizations see them I don't know but I'm still I can't figure it out because I remember after Jake left, Buck Showalter said he got in touch with him to say that he thanked him for changing the culture in the clubhouse. So I don't know what changed from last year to this year where it seems like it's they've done a 180 and that the organization didn't change when Jake thought it did. Like, what yeah. was What's changed that much? Like, okay, you lost Jake, but you bought in Verlander. I don't think Verlander is a clubhouse cancer, not Clyburn. So it's, it's the same team. I don't understand how what went wrong, how they just did a complete 180 in one year. Yeah, it's it's tough to say. I think that, like, again, like, w- like not to, you know, harp on a cliche but like winning does fix everything yeah. and in 2022 they were they were just good and that pro that papered over a lot of problems that may have existed i don't know um and in 2023 they a lot of guys are underperforming and i'm no i don't i'm not sure it's related the underperformance is related to this necessarily but it it helps it expose the cracks that exist in the foundation i suppose when the team plays poorly, these things just like come out and surface because if the Mets are, you know, if the Mets are 10 games over 500 when they face the Giants, no one's asking J.D. Davis these questions, right? Yeah, that's true. Like, I'm sure that they would have asked him about like his time with the Mets either way, but like they wouldn't have framed it the way that they framed it and asked him about like, Oh, why'd you struggle so much with the Mets? And why are you so good now? And look at the Mets are playing so shitty. Like, I think that it would have had a very different, the article in the interview would have had a very different tone if the Mets were playing better this year. Yeah. Cause this was kind of like a gotcha kind of like a little bit. Yeah. But 
Like, not see, you're undeserved. doing so well and we're so bad. Like, yeah. ha ha ha, the Mets blew it again. Not undeserved, though, given how they've yeah. been playing. But yeah, I just think that the article took on the tenor that it did because the Mets are playing so poorly. Um, so. I mean, I didn't really notice, but I don't think Conforto had anything negative to say in any of his interviews that, that no. I saw anyway. On the contrary, he seemed to be pretty moved. Yeah. Pretty emotionally. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it was like kind of, I mean, maybe sad's not the right, it was kind of sad. I mean, he clearly like was feeling a lot of feels being yes. back there. Um, I miss him. Yeah, yeah. I'm sad that he didn't get to play. In the, in the games at City Field because I think obviously the crowd would have cheered him a lot I mean they did but like for the tribute videos and stuff but like I'm sad that he didn't get to actually play in the games because he's injured so I'm also very sad that whoever put the tribute together did not just put a tribute of J.D. Davis face together I thought that would have been more appropriate they should have but... hit you up to edit it Linda because you would have had a million of them ready to go yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> They're probably all still on my phone. <laughs> so I'm 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 just saying I was available and my phone did not ring. I'm just that's all I'm saying. Shame on them. Shame on them. They they <laughs> failed to consult the JD Davis expert. Mm-hmm. Oh, they both a huge they both oversight. Did. They both did seem genuinely moved. Yes. Yes. So. At least it wasn't all bad memories. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was Vaz that tweeted in another world or in another timeline, it would be Conforto and Nemo holding down the outfield for years to come. Yeah. 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 It is sad. Yeah. Yeah. Things should have gone differently for Conforto. Yeah. Um. So, uh, speaking of sort of like organizational Cohen era philosophy, um, talking about like things being different under Steve Cohen, uh, what is different is that the Mets made a trade today, uh, and it's the type of trade that probably would not have been done by the previous regime, um, in that the Mets traded Zach Muckinhern, who's thrown a few innings in relief this year in the big league pen, um, to the Mariners for in exchange for former Met Chris Flexen and Trevor Gott. Um, now, Chris Flexen is bad now. He's not been good this year. He was good for a brief period of time after he left the Mets. He went to, I can't remember if it was Korea or Japan. I think it was Korea. He went to Korea for a little bit, was good, and then went to the Mariners um, and was good for them for a bit. But this year, he's been awful. Um, and so the Mets uh, got... Uh, got him and took on his money in order to get Trevor Gott, who was the guy they really wanted to acquire uh, in this trade because they immediately designated Flexen for assignment. So they essentially bought this other player, this other pitcher, um, which is the type of thing that you do what you can do when you have Steve Cohen's money. That is not the type of thing that the Wilpon regime would have done. Um, that said, I mean, I don't know enough about Trevor Gott to know whether this is like a good trade or whatever. Um, but what I do know is that um, it it puzzles me why they didn't just, you know, if they're willing to spend four and a half million dollars, whatever's left on Chris Flexen's salary for the year, if they're willing to spend that money just to acquire a reliever that they want. Why didn't you just like spend that money by signing a free agent, another free agent in the offseason? How many does God still have years left? Uh, I think he's a young guy. So, yes. Okay. Let me see. I should have looked this up beforehand. Good re- job researching. I mean, I, I like a little, good. we need like a little theme song, like not, not something obnoxious and pointed like the Jeopardy thing, but a little like, like some like, some like smooth researching, some like smooth music. jazz. Um. Oh no, I'm wrong. God's a veteran. He's been he's 30, um, and he's been in the in the majors since 2015, on and off. Um. So yeah, he's just a a veteran guy who I think the Mets like. 
So yeah, no, no explanation. So we're done dudes. with optionable relievers. Yeah. I was like, can you just find a dude like that in the off season then? Yep. He has zero options and four years of service time accrued in total. So I don't know. Again, like why not just sign Andrew Chafin? Yeah. Uh... I don't know. It just seems like, like, are they hoping he helps them this year? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Do they still think they have a shot? I don't know. Well, what I I mean, what I do like about this move is that it's not, um, it doesn't really matter if they have a shot. They really just need somebody capable of pitching at a major league level in that bullpen. Yeah. Like, and that's, you know, whether or not they are competing. I mean, they need to not be like shredding through these totally overmatched AAA guys like at the rate that they do. I think so, this is a little bit like they like the someone at in the Mets organization must like his stuff and a little bit like we need warm bodies. And they're willing to spend money to get them. So like it's good in a vacuum, but it's just like, why didn't you if you're willing to spend money on, you know, guys without options <laughs> why'd you do it now instead of before the season optionable relievers are the most important thing that we're prioritizing right now well not anymore <laughs> you know Better maybe they learned ever, their I lesson guess. on that one yeah but most importantly uh to note is that i hope that we can uh rebalance the scales of good trevor's yes yes we've had a bad bad streak of bad trevors like we love trevor may we love him so much we love trevor hildenberger but yeah the trevor williams moving over to the side of bad trevors screwed up the balance of good versus bad trevors um and so we need another good trevors good trevor so that the good trevors are the majority oh and 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 speaking of good trevors and good news um Trevor May is doing some radio work for the All-Star game. Yeah, oh, which is really, really cool. Which is fabulous. Such a great, um, such a great matchup for what he is so good at off the field. Um, so really excited about that. Yeah. I'm excited that he'll get to use like those skills because he's really good at explaining things to people, um, explaining complicated baseball concepts to to the regular fan. So that's that, that's really cool. I'm excited to hear um to hear him and what he has to say. Um, so uh, in other wider baseball news, um, Yankees pitcher Domingo Herman threw a perfect game, um, which sucks because, um, he's an abuser. Um, and the last perfect game was thrown by a beloved pitcher, King Felix Hernandez. Um, and pretty much everyone was excited about, you know, obviously a perfect game is a very rare thing. Um, in baseball, there haven't been that many of them and it's a very cool thing. And, but everyone was just celebrating how cool it was without, you know, the context of what a shitty human being Domingo Herman is. Um, yeah. And I kind of, you know, I, I, I don't expect every single person to, to, you know, suspend, excitement at something like this but you know it especially would have been nice if there had been a little more um kind of head-on discussion of it in you know the press and wherever else um because it was often kind of like hinted around and like i'm sorry if you're comfortable hinting around it then just say it like if it's relevant enough for you to say you know coming from a time, you know, a time of turmoil in his personal life. If, if like, if it's relevant enough to say that, then it's relevant enough to say, what was that turmoil? Was it that, you know, was that your girlfriend had to call other people on the team for protection? Yep. Because that's pretty relevant, I think. Yeah. And that it happened at a Yankees charity event. Yeah. Yeah, that Sabathia was hosting. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, like just awful. All no matter which way you slice it, that was a really upsetting situation. Yeah. Um, the best tweet that I read about this whole thing, um, which is sad, <laughs> um, is uh, 
is a domestic abuser ruining a streak from an all-time beloved pitcher against a team that is intentionally playing as badly as possible to permanently alienate the entire city by moving away. How can you not absolutely hate baseball? Yeah. Which, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. The only thing that I kind of, I don't want to say liked about it, but the only thing is, it was the A's, so how many people were even watching the game? So, hope, I mean, everybody's talking about it the next day, but it it seems like one of those games that'll just kind of be forgotten about in a year or two. Like, he'll be that dude, like, all right, he threw a perfect game, him. But he threw a perfect think... game, asterisk, it was against the 2023 Oakland yeah. Athletics, who were losing yeah. well, and, on purpose. And one person who was there, um, and I just want to shout out the article that they wrote about it, is a friend of the show, Jen McRamos, who um, we've had them on a couple times before, great writer, and um, also a survivor of domestic violence. And they were actually, they were there um, on like their first big league uh press pass in like a decade or something I um and that's that was the game that they were there for and had to deal with that in the press box um and just all of that coming together and the the piece that they wrote about it is really thoughtful and again you know certainly doesn't shy away from the fact that like yes this was an exciting thing that happened it is rare it is generally you know a good capital g kind of thing but that doesn't you know that doesn't make it it doesn't make it possible to ignore all of the greater things going on in the situation so i would definitely we'll we'll link it but um yeah just in terms of people who are there like oh man jen was there that is just a rough that is a rough spot yeah i can't imagine the emotions that they were feeling um yeah so one tweet too saying you know it, it, it is an achievement on the field it is but shame on everybody who allowed this achievement to happen like yeah. it there was just a failing on major league baseball's part too yeah like and i think that something like this sort of underscores <clears throat> the like the silliness of the argument of like when people say oh so people who make a mistake shouldn't be allowed to ever make a living ever again and they should be cast out of society is that what you think and it's like no but like there's an uh, there's another extreme where they are absolutely adored by fans and put in the spotlight and put on a pedestal and given and given the chance to accomplish these incredible feats that so few have accomplished and get accolades for it yeah and that's a privilege not a right like yes uh, like yes the the right to like live with dignity and make a salary doing something and you know doing something with your life and be able to feed yourself yes that's a right um one one could argue that's a right but it is not a right to be a professional baseball player. That's just simply not true. It's and a did Domingo Herman throwing a perfect game against the 2023 Oakland Athletics really enhance the season in any way? Like, if he was still suspended or banned from baseball and that never happened, would anybody care? Would anybody even notice? Like, it's not know. like... I guess you'd have to ask a Yankees fan. I don't know. It's not like the World Series turned or this was just like a blip in the radar that nobody's going to remember in a year. So, you know, his personal achievement is just that it's for him now and for him to get accolades for. And that's all that it comes down to now. And like we said, now they're they were they're the veiled controversial player or because now they had to soften it. So that way they could celebrate this without, you know, without mentioning the abuse. But there's, you shouldn't soften it. It's still a truth, just like the fact that he threw a perfect game is a fact. Both things are facts and both things can be mentioned. You don't have to get rid of the domestic violence just because he achieved something. 
So yeah, we will we will link um Jen's piece in the show notes and tweets. Um it's called The Perfect Game That Also Sucked, which I think is a great title. Um and it's in Defector. Um so please check it out. We will link it. Um another another article about this that I think treated this situation with the nuance that it deserves that I wanted to shout out um was Kyle Kishimoto in Fangraphs wrote an article uh, titled on comfort, perfect games in Domingo Herman, um, which I, and I thought that that article was also excellent um, and was one of the few that I saw that actually treated this with care and nuance and talked about, you know, all the sides to it and didn't, you know, couch the, and, and acknowledge the, the rare rarity of the feat while also talking about the abuse. So um, we will link both those articles um, in the in the show. Though I did see one tweet that there, it's only the tenth most rare thing that you can achieve in baseball. So while rare, there are rarer things still. <laughs> the most rare thing ever to happen in a baseball game is hitting two grand slams in one inning, and it's only been done once. Hat tip, Fernando Tatis. Fernando Senior. Tatis. Fernando Tatis. <laughs> Yep. Mets comeback player of the year, 2008. There's about <laughs> around that time. Ish. I don't know if that's ever going to happen again either. Like, what are the odds? Probably not. Probably not. Well, and he also he did it off the same pitcher. Yes. yes. How? I mean, that's the part that seems unlikely to be matched. <laughs> How do you leave him in? That's going to end up being in one of those uh, immaculate grids, and it's going to be like 100% because it's the only answer. <laughs> and every Mets fan will get it. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh so you know, I I think the like it's tough because uh, you your feelings of how can you not be romantic about baseball like cuz like one of the things about baseball is you every time you go to a baseball game you have a chance of seeing something amazing and something that you've never seen before. Um but then, you know, it has to be soiled by this. I wish it didn't have to be. I wish we didn't have to talk about it. Um, but so few people will. So those of us who are willing to talk about it have to talk about it. And those of us, like, we have a we have a responsibility to do so. Um, so, but yeah. Um, speaking of rare feats, um, we, you know, we're doing our usual, like, balance the uh sad stuff with good stuff um so uh a rare feat is that uh recently um the uh over the weekend uh <laughs> yankees minor league manager uh rachel volkovic was ejected from the game by a female umpire so <laughs> it was a female umpire ejecting a female manager which is that is time that has or that is the baseball version of the bed shell test Yes. Yes. <laughs> it really I've is. Just invented it. it really is. Um, so that's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> the the article about it opens with, in some ways, it was a typical argument between a minor league manager and an umpire. In another, nothing ordinary at all. Uh, which is true. It was, she was just arguing balls and strikes, basically. Uh or no, not not balls and strikes. It was a disputed call at first base. My apologies. But yeah, so that's funny. Um Wow, perfect. So yeah, more of that in the future, please, at higher levels of the minors. Amazing news bit. Perfect no notes. Yes, we love it. Um, and we will um end the show this week, like we always do, with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, My walk-off win is our... Uh, annual family outing to Coney Island this year was on Saturday and it was just lovely. Coney Island um, wins every time as far as I'm concerned. It's especially excellent um, having two daredevil children who are both tall enough to ride almost all the rides by themselves. Oh um, which I am not I, I'm not not a daredevil. I enjoy various roller coaster type experiences. I don't do tilt-a-whirl. Um, but at Coney Island, they're all like $12 each. And I don't love them $12 worth. So I love being able to just shove my children and their um, 
just ridiculous appetite for destruction and just be able to like send them on their merry way and they will ride all day long and there were hot dogs and there was ice cream and prizes were won um my daughter had been playing one of the games uh just like against her dad um and you know won a very nice teddy bear in that context and so my son sat down to try and like four other adults sat down at the same time and like oh. he did his darndest um and then another woman won you know because she's not an almost nine-year-old boy um and she immediately turned around and said to him which one do you want oh and i was like that is a very stand-up moment there because like you know i mean we all like the little prizes but also the stuffed luigi that thomas selected um <laughs> I have a feeling he is going to treasure that somewhat more emotionally than she would have whichever one she picked out for herself. So um, hat tip to nice lady who gave a little boy Luigi at Pony <laughs> Island on Saturday. I do not know your name if you are listening today. Um, but it was, just, it was just a lovely, it was just a lovely time. You know, the view from the Wonder Wheel, um, lots of great subways if that's what you're into. And that is what my crew is into. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a really lovely, like perfect Coney Island kind of day. So, That's awesome. Thank you, Coney Island. I've never actually been to Coney Island and I Neither have I. I feel like I should. I, w- I will go there with you guys. Okay. Um, a poto yeah. trip. I will say yes. like, I've never really been to the beach. Like I don't, cause it's just like every other city beach, except it's way more crowded and I would like to be on the rides. Yeah. That makes sense. As we've but, said, if you would like to send us to Coney Island, <laughs> it's only five dollars to subscribe. <laughs> yes, we will go to a Cyclones game too. Yes, yes, that's the other thing. Reporting. I do really want to go to a Cyclones game, but we are always like absolutely tapped out <laughs> mentally. Yeah. Uh, by the time that would come rolling around, but yeah, for sure, that would be send send a pato to Coney Island is a good is a good venture. Yes, please. <laughs> Linda Surovich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Well, as I've already mentioned, I was at the Met Game uh, yesterday. Yes, that was yesterday. Um, It was the first, this is the latest I've probably ever gone to a game. I just wasn't motivated to go. Um, But I I mean, I bought the tickets uh, before the season started because I knew I, I had to look to see when the Giants are coming to town and so I had to make sure to see JD and um, a lot of people had the same idea I did because I saw a lot of Wilmer Flores jerseys. I saw a lot of Michael Conforto jerseys. I was wearing my JD Davis jersey. Um, so we were still out there, you know, supporting our uh, our former bets. Um, but so as we're waiting to get in the stadium, like just as they're opening the gates, the skies open up and it starts thunderstorming. Um, so it thunderstormed and poured like right up to six o'clock. But, you know, they there was no rain delay. There was no nothing. So it ended up being, you know, perfect um, by the time game time rolled around. And I didn't have to listen to the ESPN broadcast, which was also a plus. Um, I was tempted to get the Jacob's Pickles chicken sandwich that had the donut on it, but I thought that might be too much. Um, So I got like Pig Beach barbecue or something, the Mm. sandwich, because I wanted to get something different. I wanted to get something, you know, that was new for this year. So I got a brisket sandwich, which was good. And then I got the churro nachos, which I had heard a lot about. But I heard that they're like discontinuing them. Yes, yeah, it was the last day for them. But they were were amazing because the the father and son in front of me ordered it. And then I ordered it. And then they have to like especially make it. So I saw him making it for the, the little boy. And I see him just like piling whipped cream on top of these things. I was like, that's how it comes. <laughs> I was not <laughs> expecting that. <laughs> so yeah, it's nachos dusted in like cinnamon sugar and then dolce, dolce de leche um, sauce and then oh, just man. mounds and mounds of whipped cream. <laughs> Dying over here, Linda. Jeepers. <laughs> so yeah, it was good. But then like I said, I got 
Um, we were right near a specialty cocktail stand. So they had, it was like their Pride Month drink that they were continuing for July, I guess. It was a watermelon vodka lemonade, which was very good. Um, so I had multiple watermelon vodka lemonades. <laughs> um, but, you know, and then, you know, the game itself, I didn't have high hopes for, but Peterson was fine. Um and I wanted somebody to hit a home run because now they shoot fireworks off when somebody hits a home run. So Mark Hanna did. We were all like, hey, thank you, Mark Hanna. We got to see the fireworks. And then Pete did at the end because my sister was there and she said she's never seen a live Pete home run. And so then and that was now, quite a prodigious did. one. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, he, like, you know, when Pete gets a hold of one. Oh, yeah. So he doesn't he he doesn't hit out wall scrapers. He doesn't no, hit cheap no, no, shots. No. Like he's not feeling well if it's a wall scraper or like he didn't eat his Wheaties that morning. <laughs> um, the so, infield pop up scrapes the wall for him. Yes, like Alvarez too. And this is my first time seeing Alvarez too. Um, so I was happy about that in person. Um, so yeah, my sister finally got to see a Pete home run. We got to see the fireworks. Um, and then they shot the fireworks off. It was really cute. They shot the fireworks off after they won. And you could see Lindor was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you probably haven't seen many of the fireworks, have you? There? <laughs> like, <laughs> so Francisco seemed to really like the, the pyrotechnics display afterwards. <laughs> um so he does know, have I, a sense of childlike wonder about him yes it was it was really sweet um and you know jd <laughs> jd got a double that like brought the game within one in the eighth inning or something and i'm like yeah <laughs> i was like can i please cheer i know i was like they can get out of it i just want jd to to do well so at least he got a hit that he struck out with the bases loaded i think in the ninth or something um so and we saw wilmer um everybody still cheered wilmer the, there was a wilmer flores chant going up um so it, it was you know it, the bets have been miserable but it's always a good time at the ball or at least that day at least even it didn't rain it rained a little bit in the ninth it started coming down again um but it wasn't it wasn't awful so it was it was a good day at the ballpark um for one day and so and you know I, I really wanted to show JD my jersey but since it was raining they didn't really take batting practice on the field so I didn't really get to see him and you know be like, hey, but next time you uh, didn't get to yeah. have a moment like I had with Lucas Suda after he I was know. traded that was so sweet I still have that baseball it's a treasured possession of mine JD deserves to know he brought joy for a few seasons. So, but yeah, and then my I do have another walk off win on Saturday. I did not watch the Met game because I was getting a new car. So now I have a new fancier blue because I've always had colorful cars. I don't like boring color cars. Like my first car was teal, my second car was purple. Then all I had was black. So the past few years I've had black. So now I, my car is blue, and I'm a Carolina Panthers fan, and it's a Panthers blue. So now I'm really super excited. So and Mariano nice. Rivera Jr. was my <laughs> salesman, was my car salesman again. So excellent. So it's like I'm going to the Met game tomorrow, and you, like, mm-hmm. am I still allowed into the dealership? So yes. Yeah, so and now I have a Panthers blue car, and I'm very happy. <laughs> so that's, that's my awesome. two with. <laughs> that's awesome. Um. My walk-off win for this week is that um, I got my second session done of my BoJack Horseman tattoo, so now it is complete, and I'm I love it, and it's very. It nice. looks so good. I was loving it on Facebook. It is very pretty, Thanks. except I might not have actually hit the heart because I forget these things. <laughs> I was thinking heart. Yeah, um, it was it, it was yeah, it was multiple sessions and now it's finally done and I'm very excited. Um, And yeah, it's been a while since I've gotten a tattoo. And so um, I always get the itch every few years. And so uh, that that that'll scratch it for a while. Um, Yeah, where I'm, is it? I can't it, tell. It's on the back of my calf. OK, yeah. Um, So I'm so pleased with how it turned out. Um. And yeah, I got to show it off to my friends today because I went to dinner with a few friends and I got to show it off. 
Uh, ooh, which I guess brings me to a a second walk off win. Um, I won't identify my friend by name because um she's pretty private, and so I don't want to like you know talk about her personal stuff on the podcast. But a very close friend of mine um just went through a battle with cancer, and uh this week is her last chemo treatment. Um. So that was a really happy moment. Um, and we just had dinner to celebrate her birthday. So um, that that's really it was it, it's been obviously a long few months for her. Um, and so uh, and she she kicked its ass as we all expected. Um, so that was that was just a really nice, uh, nice time I got to spend with my friends today and uh, and that my friend's gonna be OK. And we're all we're all very happy about that. So that's kind of my second walk off win. Um, so that does it for the show this week. Um, you can find all of our fantastic podcasts on homerunapplesauce.com. If you want to support our work and send us to Coney Island and to the <laughs> Cyclones. Um, we'll do a new fundraiser every week. Like this week, we want to go to Paris. <laughs> Some fundraisers will be more we'll successful. Go to the London later. series. We'll go to Coney Island. Um, <laughs> if you want to support our work and also just like, you know, make sure that we get paid like a little money to do <laughs> um you can go to patreon.com slash home run applesauce plus i think even more importantly kind of uh at this point in the online stage um you can uh get access to our discord where you can keep in touch with us because who knows how much longer like twitter is even gonna exist at this point does discord have rate limits i don't think so it sure doesn't we've never found them it sure doesn't. There are, there aren't limits as to how many like Discord chats you can send in a day. Um so you can like hang out with us all day in the Discord. Um it's you know, we we're a fun little community over there. So you should really join our Discord if you want to keep in touch with us cuz one day our Twitter might just disappear and then who knows what'll happen. Um so yeah, uh you can go to patreon.com slash home run applesauce um and support our work if you want to get access to the Discord and also all sorts of bonus pods and other fun things. Um please uh subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Um you can find uh home run applesauce on social media on Twitter and Instagram at home run applesauce or at HR applesauce. Apologies. Sometimes I mess that up because I say home run applesauce for the links, but it's just HR applesauce for the handles for Twitter and Instagram. Um, our Twitter handle and Instagram handle and TikTok handle is at a pot of their own. You can also email the show own at gmail.com. Each of us are on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Please rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app of choice. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crime.